Welcome to the party, pal. The, the Michael Dukes Show. The greed and the entitlement is astounding to me. What more could you want from a low-budget radio program? This is a dumpster fire. That was just BS. It is time to get a new perspective. We know just what you need, and we've got just the cure. Open wide and prepare for a steaming hot cup of freedom. I just don't fathom it. The Michael Dukes Show, streaming live across the world. Well, across the world on the interwebs at MichaelDukesShow.com and across the state of Alaska on this, your favorite radio station and or translator. Hello and guten Morgen to you, mein Freund. Was ist jetzt los? What's going on? How are you? How was your weekend? How was your freedom weekend? Man, great, great stuff. Just another beautiful day. Uh, in paradise, blue skies and uh, sunshine, and we're ready to go. <laughs> we're ready to go. It's just uh, just another great day in the neighborhood, and we are ready, willing, and able to uh, to take the take the wheel here and drive you through the uh, issues of common sense and everything else that we can get with this morning Tuesday today. Best thing about a a long weekend is the short week afterwards, and that's where we're at this morning. We are uh, ready to jump into this week. And uh, did did you miss? Did you miss anything? Did you miss it? I unplugged for the whole weekend, and I'll be honest, didn't miss a thing. Didn't miss a well, not for the whole weekend because. (laughs) You know, woke up on uh, <clears throat> one of those days and uh, my basement was flooded with water and, and uh, my water was out and, oof, man, got all that fixed up. And then uh, and then in the world of radio, we had one of the tower sites and the things went down and I spent most of yesterday out at a transmitter trying to get everything back up and running. And here we are. Man, but it was it was a great weekend. It really, really was a good weekend, and I hope you enjoyed it as well. I hope you enjoyed it and got a little bit of R and R for you and your family as well. Um, all right. Well, today on the big radio program, it is time. It is time to dive into a couple different things. Now it's Tuesday. I know it feels like Monday, but it's Tuesday, and it is the Weekly Top 3 with Brad Keithley. Today, Brad is going to go over some stuff, including he's had a chance now to decipher the governor's vetoes, and he's going to give us some analysis on that and uh, and give us, you know, give us his thoughts on, you know, is it enough? Is it is it expected? He's going to give us his take on the budget decisions and how all that looked. Uh, when it was all said and done, he's also going to cover a question about the uh, <clears throat> uh, the Alaska Natural Gas Project. Is is that going to be a, a real thing? And will it mean, as some have speculated, uh, that there are going to be massive revenues for the state? The too long don't read on that is no, he doesn't think so. He's going to tell us why. And then finally, <clears throat> number three is going to be why. Are 
so many legislators calling it quits. Because if you look at the numbers, there is a tremendous number of legislators who are not seeking re-election and everything else. I mean, it's a it's um it's not a all hands abandoned ship kind of thing quite yet, but it is, I mean, there's it's close. There's a lot of uh, a lot of questions going on there. So <clears throat> we're gonna cover those three things and um see what uh, Brad has to say on many of that. Then in hour two, we'll pick it up. We may take some phone calls from you, the listeners, to see how your life was over the weekend and how you feel about it and uh, what's going on. And then, of course, uh, this is actually kind of nice, being that it's normally Tuesday and usually we've got Monday under our belt uh, before we do this, but we're going to talk with Chris Story and get our weekly life coaching lesson. Uh, up and out of the way. So that's the plan, and uh, we'll uh, we'll talk with Chris uh, in hour two. So it's all it's good to be here. People, glad you're back. Somebody said in the chat room. Well, I'm good. To, glad to be back. Glad to be. I needed it. I needed a little bit of time away. And uh, whew, here we go. Here we go. We're feeling good, and we're ready to. Uh, uh, we're ready to dive into it. So let's uh, let's talk about some of the things that are going on before we get to Brad Keithley this morning. Let's uh, let's dive into the uh, let's dive into the new thing here, shall we? And uh, and and figure out what the uh, headlines are around the state. Some interesting things going on, and uh, you know the stuff in Anchorage continues to. Um, and I know most of you don't care about what's going on in Anchorage. You know, I mean, I can already hear somebody going on, but I don't care. About but remember, as goes Anchorage, you know, so can go the rest of the uh, the rest of the state. So we probably should be paying attention to what's going on in Anchorage, just if for nothing else, kind of defensive measures to understand what we could be facing in our own communities. Uh, the battle between the mayor's office and the... Um, uh, between the mayor's office and the assembly continues. This time, um, the mayor sent out a letter with the Anchorage tax bills. Um, it's that time of year when uh, all the owners get their get their bills from the uh, from the municipality, and uh, apparently, about ninety two thousand residents received a letter from the mayor along with those tax bills, telling them that they would have paid less if members of the assembly had listened to the mayor's budget proposals instead of going their own way. The letter signed by the mayor said that under the mayor's initial plan, according to the ADN, that the budget would have been $4.6 million smaller than the, the preceding year, achieved through operational efficiencies and department cuts, and it would have saved the owner of the average-priced home in Anchorage $560 a year on their tax bill. And uh, he then throws the blame squarely on the assembly and said they instead chose to take a different path and it encouraged residents to contact their assembly members to quote regarding their decision to increase the budget and taxes in this time of economic uncertainty. Well, that immediately infuriated several members of the assembly, including Forrest Dunbar. Um, and he they they said what he's saying is not true. I mean, you know, there's. There's school bond debt reimbursement and other things and all this other. I mean, you know, this is the same kind of 
gamesmanship we've seen from legislatures and assemblies where they, you know, tell part of the truth or tell all the truth. And I haven't seen the full letter, but according to the breakdown here, it leaves out certain things about school bond debt reimbursement and some other things. But I think here's the problem. This is the quid pro, uh, quid pro, uh, pro quo, the, the he said, she said kind of situation that we're seeing back and forth between the, legis- the uh, legislative branch, which is the assembly, and the administrative branch, which is the mayorship. And they, I mean, they just, they're going at it hammer and tong. It is just so, so nasty in Anchorage. But the bottom line is, is that the budget continues to increase, regardless of the hows and the whys and, oh, we did this and we're a good steward. In the bottom line, if the budgets continue to go up, somebody's got to pay for them, right? I mean, that's the thing. If the budget continues to increase, then you it's just got to go. It's got to go up. And the taxes have to go up. On top of that, we saw the pricing uh, and the cost and the value of property go up. One of the interesting parts was the property values increased between 8 and 10% in most neighborhoods. This is a rising trend, of course, dri- driven by the pandemic and borrowing and s- short supply and everything else. The cost of lumber, you know, they can't, Anchorage has got no places really to build. There's not, you know, they're not making any more land in Anchorage kind of thing. The average price of a home went from thir- 394000 in 2020 to 421,000 the following year and we don't have any numbers for this year but it ju- I mean it jumped up a significant chunk of money now of course the average mill rate declined to keep the municipal budget in line with the tax cap but it still continues to go up it's still a continual uh, it I mean it is what it is when the budgets go up, they've got to find a way to pay for that stuff. Now, they go on and talk about that a lot of this was about the the previous years. This was about school bond debt reimbursement and the state didn't pay its share. Although if you read the if you read the fine print on that stuff, you realize that when you signed a bond agreement that even though the state said, "Oh yeah, we'll pick up some of that." You realize it's a 20-year bond and at any time the state can say, "We're out of money. No, we can't do that." I mean, you realize that that's what's going So you are on the hook for that, (laughs) which is why I have always, this is why you vote no. This is why I have voted no on bond issues for years, because I realized that even though they say, oh, don't worry, we'll pay for that, that it's a, most of those bonds are 20 year bonds. And so there could be any number of years in there where the state says, nope, (laughs) nope. I mean, no, we're not going to pay it. And you, my friends, will be on the hook for a big chunk of that. And so, um, anyway, it's just not so. But this is what's going on between the two. Uh, I mean, it's just, it's getting, I'm glad I don't live in the city of Anchorage, or in the municipality of Anchorage, because, man, those people are, it's just like tooth and nail, hammer and dong, back and forth. Nasty, nastiness, nastiness. Um... What else is going on? Oh, my friend Kim Koval, she is now the new assistant, excuse me, she is now the new commissioner, <clears throat> acting commissioner for the new, brand spanking new Department of Family and Community Services, which was split off. Uh, that was when they split, uh, when they split the, the Department of Health and Social Services into two different departments, the Department of Health 
and the Department of Family and Community Services. Kim Koval, who's worked as a special assistant, she also uh, was appointed uh, and uh, she worked previously as a deputy director of Beans Cafe. She was a special assistant to the governor tasked with addressing social services and domestic violence and homeless issues. Um, and so she's been in this kind of world for a while. And uh, I hope she does a good job. I hope she does a really good job, especially since she's got under her uh, purview now the API, the Alaska Psychiatric Institute, and the Office of Children's Services. So two two departments that have had some – definitely had some uh, um, controversial things been going on there over the last few years. So good luck to Kim as she jumps into that and uh, uh, continues uh, forward on it. Uh, what was the other thing uh, I wanted to? Oh, <laughs> I mean, I, I I debated whether even to bring this story up, but I thought, well, why not? Uh, because, wow, uh, Lindsey Kavanaugh, who is the director of the Alaska Democratic Party, was sent to jail early Saturday morning after being pulled over for driving under the influence down in Soldotna. She was stopped for a moving violation. And then refused to take a breathalyzer test, unplugged the equipment, got unruly, and was ultimately arrested for fifth-degree criminal mischief and remanded to the pretrial facility in Kenai. Uh, apparently didn't like the – do you know who I am? I, I don't know if that's what really happened, but I just – I kind of like to – I kind of like to uh, – I kind of like to hear a little bit more about that. She's been the executive director of the Alaska Democratic Party since 2019 and was a senior advisor to Senator Mark Baggage. Um, but uh, now she's, well, I mean, I'm assuming she's out by now, but that was, it's not, the, that's not the weekend you were looking for, Lindsay. Not the weekend you were looking for, I'm sure. Make, make better choices. That's, I guess that's the lesson there. All right, um, we're ready to uh, move ahead here. Brad Keithley, Alaskans for Sustainable Budgets. He is up next for the weekly top three. We'll be back with more right after this. Don't go anywhere. What is that? Common sense. Regularly heard on American radio. Okay, my pretties, and your little dog, too. How are you guys doing? How are you doing? Jim says, I haven't paid property taxes in 13 years. Well, either you live out in an unincorporated area, or you or you are paying taxes in one form or another, either through rent or anything else. But you could Jim could be out. He might be in an unincorporated area that doesn't have any taxes, which to which I say, good for you. Good for you. There's just something evil about property taxes. Uh, I mean, you could never, ever, ever actually own your own property, right? That's the that's the bottom line there. All right, uh, let me get I gotta go back up here. Uh, here we go. Here's the Zoom meeting. Um, I gotta let me copy this. I got I gotta do something here. Let me poop pop that up there. And no, that's not what I want. I just want to copy. Let's do that. There we go. 
All right. I just want to make sure that we got everything up and running. We'll get uh, we'll get Brad's Zoom meeting here running first, and then we'll uh, we'll go from there. Okay. Uh, whoops, where to go? Come on. All right, the host is going to let me in soon. Brad is hosting the meeting this morning. So we'll uh, we'll get Brad Keithley on board here in just a hot second. Um, what is with the Democrats and DUI scraps of the law? I don't know. Scrapes of the law. I don't know. I don't know what's going on there. It uh, it definitely is uh, definitely is interesting. All right, look at this. Looks like we've got a little bit of Brad Keithley happening in the background there. Hey, how are you doing, my friend? Michael, I'm doing great this morning. How about you? Well, you are loud and proud. Hold on. <laughs> Hold on. Let me. We always have to do this, but I've got to fix this because, oh, man, baby, you are right there. All right. Give me another level there. Okay, Michael. How are you doing this morning? Oh, much better. Okay. I've got you turned down just a little bit because you were blowing my eardrums out. Okay. Um, all right. We're all ready to go. Did you enjoy the holiday weekend? Do anything fun? I did, and I did not have water in my basement. So yeah. you didn't you didn't plan on a swimming pool, an indoor swimming no, pool. No, it was funny. I uh, you know I, I went to bed really late that night, like one thirty, two o'clock in the morning. I mean, I was a night owl for a little bit there, and the water was fine when I went to bed because I washed my hands before I went to bed, and uh, and then I got up at I don't know what it was ten ten thirty, and and uh, my wife was walks to the bathroom, but she goes, I hear kachunk, 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 and I'm like, what? She goes, no water. So I crawl. We had a crawl space, and I went down there, and there was about eight inches of water in the bottom. One of the hose bibs or something had split and filled the whole basement up with water, and and overrun the the switch on the wellhead and everything. It was a mess. It was you know, it was just one of those things. Um, but uh, we we got it. We got it done. And uh, thank goodness there's some professionals out there who can come out and get it. We had about three hours, four hours. We had water back up. We pumped a thousand gallons or something of water out of the basement and away we went. So that's pretty, that's pretty impressive on a July, on a holiday weekend. Yeah, no, I was, I got to tell you, and I don't remember the name of the company. The guy's name was Tyler, but he was amazing. And, uh, he just ran out straight from Anchorage, came out, fixed us up, got us squared away. And, uh, I went out by the time he got there, I had already got the pump and pump. I went down to Lowe's and bought a pump and pumped the water out and away we went. So see Anchorage, Anchorage is good for some things. Yeah, no, no. It was a recommendation from somebody who said, call this guy. He'll, he'll hook you up. And I was like, okay. And he did. Boy, I'll tell you what he in and out like a duck mating. Boom. It was, it was over. It was good stuff. So, um, all right, Brad, were you ready to dive into this, uh, this hot mess now that I've been plugged all weekend? I'm just like, I'm, I'm ready. All right, so let's uh, let's get to it. Uh, hold the line here. Uh, we'll be uh, right back with Brad Keithley, folks. Like and share this show. Like and share the video if you haven't uh, if you haven't had a chance to do so as well. Also, go out to our Facebook or our YouTube page and subscribe and ring the bell on YouTube if you would as well. I would appreciate that. We'd love to hear what you guys have to say on any of those things, and that means it's time to jump back into it. Let's get to it. The Michael Duke Show. Common sense, liberty-based, free-thinking radio. Oh, let's, uh, let's get it going on. Here we go.
Okay, we're continuing now. And uh, we are ready to uh, uh, dive into it. The weekly top three, Brad Keithley, Alaskans for Sustainable Budgets, is our guest joining us today via Zoom uh, to talk about all the hot issues, including, well, the governor's budget and uh, LNG and why the legislators are fleeing the sinking ship. I mean, the you know, whatever. Let's uh, let's dive into it. Good morning, Brad. Morning, Michael. How are you doing today? You know, we're doing just it's it's fantastic. Let's uh, let's talk a little bit about um, the weekly top three, which you've now had some chance. You've had a chance to digest the governor's budget. We had a little bit of analysis last week with Donna Ardwin. Uh, I thought that was some good stuff. Uh, but I know you've been working on some like 10 year projections and other things. And I've seen some of your charts and you've got an article up in the landmine right now that's got a lot of this analysis. So give us your give us your your hot take on what's going on here. Well, the budget's definitely up uh, this year over uh, uh, where we were uh, in the prior year uh, before we started in on the supplementals, before we had this last session. Uh, Even with the vetoes, the governor's budget is about $5.6 billion. That's down from where the legislature had it. Uh, At the end of of the session, they were at about $5.9 billion, so the governor uh, uh, vetoed and, and this is focuses on traditional uh, UGF, uh, traditional unrestricted general funds. Uh, the governor vetoed about $300 million out of that. But that's still, that's $5.6 billion compared with uh, $4.6 billion uh, for FY22 uh, as enacted before we started in on, uh, on supplementals. So about a, up a billion dollars uh, from, the, from the prior year. In, in, the, in his press conference, the governor made the point that um, you can't really look at it that way or you shouldn't look at it that way because a lot of it's one-time money, one-time expenditures, and that uh, on a continuing basis, uh, budget looks better than uh, <laughs> better better than it does if you look at it on the on just the the one-time basis of FY23. right. And he's and he's correct about that to an extent. We talk about that a lot in the uh, in last Friday's uh, uh, article in the landmine where we, Talked to, where we took those numbers, took the governor's numbers, and turned them into, you know, a, a revised and updated ten-year plan. Uh, and the governor's right to some degree, but there is some significant uh, continuing money. The operating budget, the agency budget, went up, for example, by about uh, five hundred million dollars, um, and that is a continuing, uh, uh, continuing. Uh, That's not a one-time expenditure. Is what you're right. saying, right? Right. It, it's going. It's going to show up. So we've. So we've. You know, read redone the numbers. We've looked at. at as I said last week, when we were talking about this, what's really important to us is uh, what's the continuing uh, expenditure out of this. What's the effect on the long-term budget? Um, and it's significant. Where where you know the governor left it at about. We were at about four point six billion dollars or so at the end of FY twenty two. Uh, the governor, uh, as enacted, or the, as as the governor signed it, uh, FY twenty three is about uh, five point six billion dollars, so up about a billion dollars. When you take out the one time money, we're at about uh, four point eight billion dollars, or four point nine billion dollars, rather, um, uh, on an ongoing basis. So we're up significantly, about three hundred million dollars from uh, from where we were uh, in uh, in FY twenty two, and and. And the landmine article goes into this, but what's really important to understand is the impact that the higher inflation rates are starting to have. Uh, 
will start to have on the budget uh, going forward. And when you look at it uh, over time, uh, uh, we're going from about a $4.6 billion budget in, uh, in FY24 uh, up to about a $5.5 billion budget by the time we get to FY32. And that's, that's really just the largely the effect of inflation uh, it's going to have affecting the uh, uh, the agency budget. There are some changes that are going on in retirements. There's some changes that are going on in debt service. Um, and capital budget is whatever the capital budget is, whatever the legislature appropriates on any given year. At any year is sort of a one-time expenditure. But the governor in, it previously had estimated about $150 million ongoing, $160 million ongoing capital budget. So assuming that, uh, you've got uh, you've got a, a significant uh, uh, growth uh, that's going on in the budget just from uh, just from uh, from from inflation. So I would say this: I would say that the governor didn't make matters worse, uh, much worse than what the legislature uh, had done uh, in the session. He brought it down some, uh, as you can see on the screen. He brought uh, the 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 enacted budget down some from where the left. Legislature had uh, left it at uh, at adjournment, but he didn't. But he didn't bring it down enough to uh, to frankly uh, fit within revenues over the long term. Again, the landmine article goes into this. Uh, but when you look at when you when you look even at current at current uh, uh, oil prices and and look at the futures market over the next ten years, we're still looking at deficits on on the governor's proposed POMV fifty fifty. We're still looking at deficits uh, starting back up in FY27 and growing over the remainder uh, of the 10-year period. So it, I, I would say that at the end of his four-year term, uh, at the end of this year, four-year term, the governor has not made the situation worse from what the legislature's made it, but he's not made it better. Uh, and he's not fit long-term, he's not fit spending um, uh, state spending uh, back into uh, long-term uh, sustainable revenues. Right. And so we're sort of we're sort of in a temporary situation where because of because of the the uh, run up in oil prices, we've got a balanced budget for a couple of years, or we've got a nearly balanced budget for a few years. We still have PFD cuts this year. We're still funding a portion of the, this year's budget from PFD cuts, uh, but. At POMV 5050, at the governor's proposed POMV 5050, uh, we slide back into deficits uh, in a fairly short period, fairly short term, and then the deficits start growing again. Let me uh, tell you what I see just immediately off of the, you know, on this chart, one of the couple of the glaring things that I see that the governor didn't address. I mean, first of all, like you said, we got the $500 million, uh, in operating supplemental, which means that was from the previous year going into last year's budget. I mean, in the literally this 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 was put in on the 28th of June and the supplemental I mean the the fiscal year ended on July 1 or July 30. So you had 2 days for them to figure out how to spend. I'm still scratching my head over that and the 1.22 billion dollars in forward funding. Why do you think he didn't address either one of those in your opinion looking at this? Well, the the supplemental, the operating supplemental for FY22 contains uh, a couple of big items. One is the payback uh, for prior years, un, the unfunded portion of the uh, school bond reimbursement. So it's not, I mean, it's, it's not a, an ongoing 
it, it, it's not an FY22 expenditure in the sense that they had to spend all that money inside of two days. It, it is an appropriation in that year, using money in that year to pay back uh, the school, uh, school bond reimbursement. That's part of it. The other big part is a big contribution to the oil tax, uh, oil and gas tax credit fund. Uh, the outstanding oil and gas tax credits that are owned still, they're owed still from the 20 teens, well, 20, 2000s and 20 teens, right? Uh, oil and gas tax credit uh, uh, program. Um, and so a portion of the payback is in FY22 supplemental, a portion of the payback is in the FY23. Uh, uh, statewide, uh, statewide funds. So it's, so, so he's, so he's, I mean, what he's, what he's doing is he's trying to come even with local government on the, on the school bond, school bond tax credit uh, and, uh, and, and even that out. And he's trying to, trying to fill the, uh, the oil and gas tax uh, credit fund. And he didn't, uh, legislature did that. He didn't stop either of those forward funding. uh, Forward funding is, um, so you've got to use less funds in some years. It's really a savings account and you've got to use less. You, you, you can get away with using less funds in some year because you've had this savings account you've set up in, in, in forward funding. The legislature should have used a portion of those funds to come even on the, U, on the, on the PFD. As you can see on that chart you've got up, the red on the lower right uh, is still the PFD cut uh from uh from this year that they're using this year to fund this right, year right right the, the legislature should have used those funds uh in my opinion to fully fund the pfd i mean if you're going to come even if you're going to come even on on school bond reimbursement for the past and you're going to come even on the oil and gas tax credit fund why aren't you at least funding uh fy23 uh, uh the full fy23 statutory pfd but they didn't uh, they use those funds instead. To, they set aside those funds that otherwise could have been used for that. They set aside those funds for uh, FY for the uh, school bond reimbursement. And the governor, the governor wouldn't gain anything by vetoing the school. The, or, I'm sorry, the, the the forward funding for K through 12. The governor wouldn't gain anything by vetoing forward funding for for K through 12. He couldn't. Uh, he couldn't, uh, uh, for example, divert that money to the PFD. That's not within the governor's power. Right. So it's just it's going to savings and it will it will show up some year uh, by enabling the legislature and the governor to avoid to, to dodge having to fund uh, school uh, could, school funding. In, could he have year. could he have directed that one point two two billion into the CBR? He could have. Yes. Yeah. I mean, I think that would have been. I think that would have been probably the best bet. He could have directed it there, and then they would have had again to have the three quarters vote to uh, to draw it back out. Um, but apparently, you know, all right, I don't want to spend too much. He, he, he did do he did do some of that. He did direct, for example, the legislature had appropriate had had set up or Bert essentially had set a a, a mechanism so that everything over one hundred and three dollars or one hundred and four dollar oil went to the permanent fund, went directly to the permanent fund. And the governor vetoed that and essentially redirected that money back into uh, back into the CBR. Uh, he also redirected some SBR money, some money that they tried to appropriate to the SBR uh, back into the CBR. So he did do some of that, but he could have done more with uh, right. <clears throat> with the one point two billion dollars in forward funding. All right. So grading on the budget is it what you about what you expected? Was it good? Was it bad? Give me a give me a grade thing here. It's a little bit worse. Um, I, I, I would have hoped looking forward 
uh, looking at the 10 year plan, what the 10 year plan is once you once you approve all this spending, I would have hoped the governor would have gone in and vetoed some more. I think uh, I think Charlie, I think we'll hear from Charlie Pierce during the campaign uh, about more that the governor could have done. Um, and and I'm a little disappointed that he didn't set us up better uh, over the next uh, over the next 10 year uh, cycle. I mean, I, the governor, I, as we've talked before, this is a poll ridden or poll driven, maybe a poll ridden also, but a poll driven administration. What the governor was trying to do was try to find the middle ground, I guess, between, you know, re-exciting everybody who in the recall Dunleavy effort who got excited about the vetoes he did last time uh, and and conservatives who expect him to be, you know, actually fiscally conservative. Um, and I guess he was trying to find the middle ground between those two. I would say that uh, I would say that he probably disappointed both sides. Yeah. Uh, the, uh, the the Walker and others, uh, you know, complained about whatever vetoes he had, whatever few vetoes he had. Um, and, you know, and I'm going to complain about the fact that he didn't set us up better for the, for the next 10 years. So yeah, uh, it, it, it's <laughs> nobody's happy. And I don't think it's a good nobody's happy. You know, one of right. those things where, right. where you find, find the middle ground that way. All right. Well, let's uh, let's talk about uh, number two. Uh, give me the give me the pitch here for number two before we go to break. Well, there's we talked about the LNG project a few weeks ago, and and there was a surge of activity then about people saying, "Oh, we're far along with LNG." This was on the heels of a trip that the governor had made to uh, to Japan to push the uh, LNG project. Uh, we're seeing another surge of that now. There was a big article uh, in the Fairbanks News Miner over the weekend. Uh, uh, spinning off of uh, some comments by Dan Sullivan, Senator Dan Sullivan, and uh, and a recent action by the uh, FERC uh, in releasing the draft uh, supplemental environmental impact statement that the Biden administration had required uh, for the project. And there's a whole lot of there's a whole lot of uh, discussion in the article, long article about uh, about the LNG project, including a subheading that says. Massive revenues for the state. If the Alaska LNG project is developed, it could accelerate the state uh, state economy and goes on to talk about some comment that there could be massive revenues for the state. None of that's true. Uh, and, I, and I sort of want to go back through this to sort of bring everybody back to reality about the, where the LNG project is. All right. Well, let's, uh, let's see if we can get to number three today. We're going to continue here. Brad Keithley, our guest, The Michael Duke Show. Common Sense, Liberty-based, free-thinking radio. The weekly top three continues right after this. Streaming live every weekday morning on Facebook Live and MichaelDukesShow.com. Oh, I have a feeling we're not going to make it to number three today. We got a lot of stuff to go over, and I do want to. I do want to visit in on that. Yeah, I mean, I, I you know. Here's the thing, um, and I agree, David in the chat room says, when you disappoint both sides, your re-election chances aren't so good. The problem is, is that Dunleavy keeps trying to play, she tries to appease everybody. He's like walking down the middle of the road going, yeah, it's all great, and that's where you get hit by the bus, you know what I mean? Um, because he's afraid to take that stance. He doesn't want to reignite the recall Dunleavy campaign uh, people. Uh, but at the same time, he's, you know, irritating the people, the base that brought him in there when he said he was going to go in there and fix the budget. I mean, it's a very dangerous road to take, I think. It is. And and I I'm going to be interested to see how the how the campaigns play out between he and Charlie. I mean, because 
because the governor is is not the governor that we it's not the Mike Dunleavy we elected. I mean, the Mike Dunleavy we elected was bring the PFD back, you know, get get the state's fiscal house in order, stop using the PFD to to, to PFD cuts to pay for the budget, get spending down. Um, and that's not the Dunleavy. That's not the Mike Dunleavy we've gotten over the last four years. Um, and so it's going to it's going to be interesting to see if, you know, how Charlie erodes into into those who are concerned about uh, about uh, fiscal issues and, and concerned about, you know, bringing the state's uh, funding under under control uh, to, to do what I would have wanted to to make the cuts necessary to set us up on the 10 year plan, uh, a sustainable long term budget. Uh, when you when you look out over the 10 years to do that, the governor would have had to make some significant cuts. Um, and that would have reignited the, the, you know, the recall Dunleavy people, but, you know, polls must be interesting. I mean, he's, he's getting static from Walker and from Guerra and from others for the cuts he did make. Um, and so, and, you know, and, and so K through 12 and the others are, are upset with him anyway. So we'll, we'll see it. We'll see if he's, uh, if he's, if he's, if staying this, this course of staying in the fairway, uh, not not hitting big shots, but staying in the fairway, sort of right. using your 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 three iron or your four iron to go to just sort of piecemeal down the fairway. We'll see if that's the that's the right uh, strategy for the governor. But right. it's not it's not achieving a a long term sustainable fiscal plan. Right, which of course is a huge part of the problem. And I think Charlie's got a I think Charlie's got a good he, you know Charlie has really seemed to have been invigorating that base that voted for Dunleavy. That said, look, we need to bring the budgets back in line and we need to, you know, live within our means and be sustainable. And Charlie's done a good job with the Kenai Peninsula and he's got some track record on that kind of stuff as an administrator. So I think he's got I mean, I think he's got, uh, uh, you know, kind of the, the street cred, so to speak. Uh, to do it well, although I have noticed that um, I have noticed that the establishment Republicans have not really, well, I mean, they've been kind of leaving Charlie out of a lot of the discussions and things like that. You can see some of the press releases and other things are not really mentioning him. Um, it seems like they keep trying to phrase it and put it between Dunleavy and Guerra and Walker and leaving Charlie even as number four kind of out in the cold. And I, I mean, I don't know what to make of that. What, what do you say? Well, they're trying to ignore him and hope it'll go away. I mean, I we we've talked enough. The establishment Republicans, the top twenty percent establishment Republicans, are, are are sort of satisfied with Dunleavy in the sense that you know as much as as much as Dunleavy likes to talk about the PFD, he's not really taking the 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 efforts it's ne- that's necessary to to get the PFD reestablished. He hasn't gotten spending down, so we have to use the PFD. Uh, to supplement revenues to uh, to keep the state uh, keep the state budget balanced. So you know, as much as they like to, as as much as you know, Dunleavy t- likes to talk the game about being pro PFD and pro middle and lower income Alaska families. He's really a top twenty percent uh, uh, governor, and and I think the gov- I think the establishment Republicans are fine with that. Um, and so you know, if if you don't want to give Charlie, you don't want to give anybody else a whole lot of credibility or a whole lot of airtime or a whole lot of uh, a whole lot of uh, uh, discussion uh, and try to freeze him out, try to, you know, ignore it and make it go away. But it's interesting because I think Charlie's got some real grassroots support. I mean, and, you know, I mean, I've liked everything I've said. I've already said that I'm supporting Charlie um, uh, in this election cycle. I think he's uh, I mean, I think he's the candidate uh, that we need um, because, you know, again, he's he's 
he's not only saying a lot of the things that Dunleavy said in his first campaign, he again has a track record that proves out that he is willing to do those things. He's willing to take the slings and arrows and uh, and, and to shrink the size of government, which, you know, heretofore, uh, you know, Dunleavy has been all talk and no walk. And uh, and that's a and that's I think that's resonating with people. Yeah, I, I, Dunleavy. Dunleavy has the pollsters. I mean, Dunleavy's trying to figure out how do you how do you sort of you know navigate through all this to uh, to to get to to reelection. Um, but in terms, it, it's navigation. It's not governing. I mean, right, right. Well, it, and go- it, governing by poll is never going to. We're gonna go. We're gonna get back here. Governing by poll is never going to work. That's. I mean, I think we can show. There's plenty of history to prove that. All right, hold the line here, Brad. Let's dive back into it. The Michael Duke Show, cus- uh, co- common sense, liberty based, free thinking radio. Here we go. All right, welcome back to the program. Continuing now, Brad Keithley, Alaskans for Sustainable Budgets. It's the weekly top three. We're on to number two. We're going to see if we can race to number three. Number two is the Alaska LNG project, which, according to the news miner, promises to develop and deliver huge, huge revenues for the future, uh, to which Brad says, maybe not. Brad, what uh, what say you? Well, it's funny. I mean... I think we're going through an election push here, uh, election cycle push for uh, the LNG project. This may be Dan Sullivan, Senator Dan Sullivan's uh, uh, support for uh, for Dunleavy, maybe his lane for supporting uh, Dunleavy. Um, the, the governor made a, a trip to uh, Japan uh, to push for the LNG project, got some good press out of that. Uh, the FERC last week issued a supplemental uh, environmental impact statement as required as the uh, Biden administration had required early in the early days of the Biden administration, the supplemental in, environmental impact statement uh, is positive in the sense that it didn't sink the project. Uh, it, it said some positive things. Dan Sullivan has now gone on, you know, a, a push uh, as a result of that, a push for the uh, uh, for the LNG project uh, that uh, that resonated at least with uh, with the Fairbanks news miner uh, reporter who dug into it and found some article that said uh, that uh, the uh, uh, the proposed Alaska LNG project, quote, will earn massive revenues for the state. It's also expected to generate between 9,000 and 15,000 jobs in the initial construction and design phase and an, initial one th- and an additional 1,000 jobs uh, uh, during during operation. Well, there's not going to be massive revenues. I hate to I hate to break, burst anybody's bubble. When you look at the long-term LNG market, when you look at long-term LNG prices, we're currently in a bubble, in a very high uh, uh, bubble uh, uh, of LNG prices, natural gas, worldwide natural gas prices. But you look at the futures market, and again, you got to look at the futures market where real people are putting real dollars, investing real dollars in the expectation of where these prices are going. Uh, the LNG mar- the LNG prices, natural gas prices, come back back down to about the seven dollar range within within the five year time frame, which is about the time frame that the Alaska LNG project will get going. There is an opportunity for the Alaska LNG project. Uh, it, it, we've talked about it before. It'd be a strategic somebody on the on the buy side, some customer on the buy side 
who wanted a secure supply of gas. We know the gas is up there um, and wanted it at a at a set price, uh, which Alaska could do. Couldn't happen in the lower 48, but Alaska could do because the gas is otherwise stranded. But it's not going to be a high price. At $7, uh, uh, we're going to get just a not much uh, out of the royalty and out of any uh, production taxes that might apply to the uh, to the upstream, most of it will go toward reimbursing the cost of the of the pipeline that ha- would have to be built and reimbursing the cost of the uh, LNG uh, gasification facility that would have to be built uh, at Tidewater in Kenai. Um, there would be very little left over for uh, for the upstream. So to think we're going to get massive revenues out of this is uh, is is just pie in the sky. And I think we're seeing uh, some electioneering by uh, by some people who want to. You know, it, bolster up the Dunleavy administration, who says, "Look, we're working on LNG. We've gotten it farther than we've ever gotten it before. Right. It's a go project. Look at what I'm doing for." Well, it, it's not, but I, but you know, there are those, there are people who want to want to help out with the election campaign uh, uh, in that regard. So that's where we are. A big, as as I say, for those folks in Fairbanks who saw the news miner article, a big buildup. Uh, Again, on the LNG project, but uh, but don't believe it. Uh, we're not we're not going to see massive revenues, and we're and we're going to be lucky to see the LNG project itself. And we're only going to see it if we see a strategic player out there who uh, who who's willing to pay a set price for uh, for a, a secure long term gas supply. Which I mean, in the long term between Russia and Ukraine and all that kind of stuff, that could be something that's attractive in the future because you know we're uncertain of. Uh, some of the geopolitical, you know, ramifications of some of these things, that that secure, geopolitically stable gas pocket may be something that's attractive, but we just don't know at this point. Well, and and Michael, it's 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 two pronged, right? Secure gas supply uh, at a reasonable price. There, somebody's not going to come in and pay, you know, double or triple what what the market is telling us to expect uh, at uh, uh, for for that secure supply. They're going to pay. A reasonable price, and what the futures market is telling us is the long-term reasonable price is back in around the seven-dollar range, which uh, will not leave much left over uh, in the upstream for right. either the producers or for uh, for the state. Okay. All right. Well, look at you. We made it through number two. Um, let's move on to number three, which is why are so many legislators bailing out why are why are they pulling the plug um and we noticed again a full you know basically one-third of the current legislators said nope (laughs) and either they're retiring or redistricting or everything else but give us your take on this for number three why are so many legislators pulling the plug well sarah erkman ward uh wrote what i think is a really good column uh in the alaska beacon the new uh the new uh, news website, uh, uh, nonprofit website, uh, and she wrote a, a commentary, an op-ed piece in the Alaska Beacon that's entitled um, uh, "Why Alaska Lawmakers Are Calling It Quits." What I wanted to focus on, what I want to focus on, is one of her reasons. She gives five reasons, and uh, and I think it's worth uh, worth listeners' time to go read that if you're interested. The fourth reason is the work is hard, and here's what she said. Back when the Senate was flush with seemingly, back when the state rather was flush with seemingly endless amounts of cash, legislators were able to spend their way to compromise, ensuring every district received its piece of the proverbial pie. Road and drainage projects, health centers, runways, docks, and other capital projects were divvied up to allow every lawmaker to bring home the bacon for their constituents 
a ribbon, a ribbon cutting could resolve a lot of differences. And, and then she goes on to say, and that's no longer, that's no longer occurring. The revenues aren't there any longer to have that. Um, and so legislators are having to, when you can't go home and have a ribbon cutting, legislators or, uh, are not as popular and, uh, and the work is not as easy. Well, she, sum, not as, she sums it up by saying, in other words, no one has been having fun for years now. I think that was, that was the classic comment in there. Yeah, but but it's not universally true. I mean, to some degree, I focus on the big three of of Click Bishop, uh, Bert Stedman, and Gary Stevens, right? I mean, and those guys are staying; they're not leaving. And what they've found is the ability to continue to fund their projects on the back of PFD PFD cuts, right? So they've they've found what to them is this sweet spot of we get to continue to have a capital budget. We get to continue to fund K through 12. We get to continue to, you know, fund you know, swimming pool projects in, in Sitka. We get continue to do all that because we have this deal with the Democrats that as long as we don't tax the upper income, as long as we don't tax the top 20%, they'll let us get away with PFD cuts to continue to fund these projects. So it's not universally true that, that you're, you're, that you're giving up on all these on all this spending and all of the all of the accolades and all of the uh, comfort that comes from being able to spend those who want to spend in areas where the Democrats agree to the spending um, are are continuing uh, to spend. You know, it's it's in the old days you had Bill Stoltz, right, who loved to do things in the valley, loved to right. take all the excess oil money and do things in the valley, and so you've got. You know, you've got the Matsu uh, uh, College out there that's got, you know, a bunch of buildings. You've got a bunch of Bill Stoltz things that were built around. You're not able to do that anymore. But those who but those who like Click and, and Bert and and Stevens who find who who are able to who want to spend on things that that Democrats want to spend on because they are big employment, government employment, uh, government contract uh, projects. Those who want to spend on those are still doing it and still staying because they found this sweet spot of using PFD cuts to continue to fund their projects. I had a conversation with a uh, lawmaker from the interior, Democratic lawmaker, and asked him why, you know, and he's just like, uh, it's it's exhausting. The, the back and forth. Uh, even as somebody who I would consider to be fairly partisan and and strong and strident in their positions, he was like, "It's exhausting this back and forth and these fights and the things and the you know." I, I can't imagine that this is uh, like you said when there's not all this money up for grabs. People are it, it gets a lot more recalcitrant in there than uh, than you'd expect. Um, and yeah, I think a lot of people and and the notoriety. Um, you know, somebody in the chat room mentioned beer pong and leg wrestling again. I mean, a lot of those legislators have pulled the plug because again I just think that it's showing that you know you you can't you're in the spotlight and you're getting blamed for a lot of things some of it's your fault some of it's not but it's it's a definitely a, a tough situation we got about a minute and a half here but it's not but but my point is it's not universally true you've got a core that are staying there because they found a way to continue to pay for their stuff on the backs of middle and lower income Alaska families and as and as long as as long as, and so you've got a core that's continuing, that's looking to continue to use that funding source uh, to pay for government. Now, Rob Myers got rid of one of those. He got rid of John Coghill, right, right, who was, who, who was one of those who uh, 
who who viewed uh, viewed government uh, uh, in that way. But we haven't gotten rid of all of them, and 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 there is a segment that is continuing to stay from election cycle to election cycle to election cycle because they found that sweet spot. As long as they stay there, and as long as you know those three Republicans sort of form the the balance of power in the Senate between the conservatives and the and the Democrats, uh, we're going to continue to face uh, these sorts of these sorts right. of issues until we well, get, until we get them. We'll see what if Elijah Verhagen has anything to say. Maybe Click Bishop will have a run for his money this go around. We'll see what happens. Brad Keithley, Alaskans for Sustainable Budgets. Thank you, my friend. We appreciate you coming on board. Michael, as always, thanks for having me. Folks, out of time for this hour. Be kind, love one another. Hour two, dead ahead. The Michael Duke Show, Common Sense Radio. Um, you know, of the triumvirate that you just talked about, which is Stedman, Bishop, and Stevens, uh, you know, Bishop has got, I mean, I think Elijah Verhagen has got a, a, a chance of uh, making some headway there. And if they lose click, that's a that's a good knock on. And I understand Stevens has got a, a challenger out there. We'll see if uh, they can make any headway as well. Uh, she's, uh, she's down there in the Kodiak area, I guess, uh, forgotten her name right off the top of my head, but again, Stedman remains, uh, Michael Sheldon is running against him, but I don't know. I mean, I would hope that people would support Sheldon, but I mean, he's kind of a perennial candidate. So I, I don't know as that's necessarily a good sign. Um, but even if, even if we're able to not click out, do you think that the two together, Stevens and Stedman still have enough horsepower or what do you see with the... I mean, I, I can tell you right now, the reorg uh, on the Senate uh, may shove him out, uh, may shove uh, a Stedman out. But then again, we may end up with a bipartisan coalition then on, on that. What, what, are you, what are your thoughts on that? Well, Michael, you got you to look at the Senate as a whole, right? And right. Senate as a whole is you got you got a core conservative group. You got a core progressive uh, group. And then you've got the middle that have sort of, you know, been in, in power. You've got Natasha, you had Natasha, you had Bert, you had click, uh, you had Gary Stevens, um, Checky, gosh, only knows where the heck he was at any given point in time, but you had sort of that middle group that was, that was the balance of power. And they were able to use that, that, that positioning to, you know, keep themselves in power. They could tell the conservative group, look, you want to be in the majority. We've got to be part of the majority for us to be part of the majority. you got to give us the chairmanship, the co-chairmanship of Senate finance. Um, uh, and you and, and you know, you've got to you got to let us have our right. have our way. You can you can have all the other committees, but we've got to have we've got to have the co-chairmanship of finance. As long as they're in that position, uh, you we're going to have that. I mean, let, let's say let's say that uh, next time around, the Republicans say, no, click you and and Bert. You can't be you can't be on finance. You can't be co-chairman of finance. You can't even be on finance. Well, all they're going to do is walk across the aisle and say, "Okay, Democrats, you want to be in power? <laughs> you, you want the committee chairmanship? Right, right, then, right. Then then here's our deal. So, it, you you you've got to the Senate has got to have enough conservatives that they can form the majority themselves uh, without relying on the three. And there's two ways to do that. One is to, to, to elect, you know, conservatives, another a conservative in the in, in the Kenai to replace Machiki, that's a hardcore conservative and, and other steps like that to sort of solidify that block. But you've also got to you've also got to get it into a majority. And frankly, to get it into a majority, you've got it to beat at least one, if not two, uh, of the of the three. 
Right. If you don't do that, these guys are just going to, you know, continue right. on. Maybe as part of a bipartisan majority, or maybe maybe as part of the Republican majority again, but they're going to continue to hold that balance of power. Yeah, I mean, if uh, Tuckerman Babcock comes in and he's able to win his race there in the Kenai, that solidifies that seat. And then if, if Verhagen wins and knocks out Bishop, that's another. Uh, but you're right. I mean, we really you would need to see if you could take Stevens' seat. I think the which is the more vulnerable of the two between Stevens and Stedman, you could have a chance of doing that. But People have got to get they've got to get motivated. They've got to get behind this next candidate and move in. You've got to count to 11. You've got to have 11 solid in your in your majority so you can organize the Senate and you can name who the who the co-chairs of finance are. I've, I've over the last 10 years, I've become convinced that the co-chair of finance is the most important position in government. It's probably even more important from a from a fiscal standpoint. It's probably even more important than the governor. Right. Because because the co-chair of finance controls what you do with the PFD. The governor can't override what goes on with the PFD in the legislature. And you know, Bert's shown us time and time again the co-chair of finance can can manipulate things around to control what happens with the PFD. Right. So that is that's the key. And the key to Getting control of that position is eleven fiscal conservatives uh, in the Senate, and you know, and and solidifying the valley with Tuckerman is one of those. But you're you're absolutely right. Getting Stevens or getting uh, uh, Click uh, is key to uh, uh, solidifying that eleven. Yeah, we also have Willie Keppel out in Quinnahawk uh, running against Lyman Hoffman. I would hope that maybe he'd get some traction because that would again would go towards that as well. Because Hoffman Hoffman loves to. Uh, he loves to to play every side that he can to get what he wants. So uh, it would be he good. Will be, he, he will be in the majority. Lyman yeah, will be he, part of the majority. One way or the other. Yeah, yeah. He'll he'll be part of it. So it would be good to see uh, Willie go in there and, and take that off the table because again that would count towards your eleven. Um, maybe we can get some change now. I guess Louis Stutes has a challenger as well. Um, I haven't uh, heard much about them, so we'll see if we can get some info on that. But you know, once we get the Senate squared away. You know, we still got the mess in the House going on. Of course, it's always been so close. Now Kelly Merrick is running for Senate. Um, you know, she, I don't know if she's got much of a chance, but we'll see what happens there. Uh, but we'll watch to see what goes on in the House. I mean, we had 22 or something, 23 in the House, and it all fell apart. We could have done that. Now if we can get both sides of the legislature together, we'll see. I think, I think, I think in part the organization of the House depends upon the Senate. If you can get conservatives in the Senate – I think there's a greater a, a greater impetus to for the House Republicans uh, to come together. Um, you know, we'll, we'll see. I it it's all up in the air. But I but the key the key starting point is can you get eleven core legislators, eleven core uh, Senate Republican senators, conservative uh, senators to uh, uh, to coalesce uh, over on the Senate side? Ke- Kelly Merrick would be, you know, we. You go backwards one as opposed to going forward Right, right, exactly. Well, Brad, that brings us up to the end of the hour. Thank you for coming on board. We appreciate it as always. Um, I'm I'm hoping that we could see some changes. This uh, this is going to be an exciting summer for the rest of us. So thanks for being part of it. Michael, thanks for having me as always, and I look forward to next week. All right, we'll dive into it. Thank you for being part of it with us. Brad Keithley, Alaskans for Sustainable Budgets uh, on the program here this morning. 
All right, folks, uh, that uh, brings us into hour two. We're going to uh, dive into it. Here we go. The Michael Duke Show. Whoa, buddy, put that thing back in its holster. We haven't gone anywhere. I don't understand. Check out the MichaelDukesShow.com for information on how to get access to the podcast. Welcome to the party, pal. The, the Michael Dukes Show. The greed and the entitlement is astounding to me. What more could you want from a low-budget radio program? This is a dumpster fire. That was just BS. It is time to get a new perspective. We know just what you need, and we've got just the cure. Open wide and prepare for a steaming hot cup of freedom. I just don't fathom it. The Michael Dukes Show, streaming live across the world. Oh, yeah, across the world on the Internet at MichaelDukesShow.com. If you would like to uh, log in there, you could find the audio-only stream and all the good stuff that's happening over there. Appreciate you being part of it today. Uh, We are diving into Hour 2 of the big radio show today, and it is Tuesday. Welcome to the program. I hope that uh, you had a fantastic holiday weekend, got a chance to rest and relax and pull back and uh, just, you know, just re- recharge a little bit. Um, was good. We loved it. Uh, I had a great uh, had a great holiday weekend, and we're back to it. And as I've often said, the best thing about the long weekend, of course, is the short week for uh, the short week for this week as well. So good stuff. We're definitely, definitely into it as uh, as the case may be today. And we're ready to, to rock and roll. Just finished up with Brad Keithley for, from Alaskans for Sustainable Budgets. A good conversation with Brad about, um, uh, you know, about the legislature, the upcoming election, the, uh, the budgets and everything else. If you missed any of that, you make sure you can go back and listen to it on the podcast, which is available wherever, wherever you find podcasts. Uh, you know, CastBox, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, iTunes, Google Play, and, of course, Spotify. Uh, you can go back or you can watch it on the replay on Facebook or YouTube. We're everywhere. We're everywhere. So go out there and check it out. And uh, and be part of it and uh, and enjoy the conversation. Coming up in this hour, <clears throat> we're going to be uh, diving into it and talking with uh, Chris Story, uh, who's going to give us our weekly life coaching lesson. He's going to be uh, joining us here in just a bit, and we're going to uh, have our conversation with him about well, pretty much everything. Pretty much everything that's related to life coaching and positivity and everything else. I have no idea what he's going to be talking about, but we're gonna we're gonna hang out and get that. It's a good way to start the week. Um, I kind of like having uh, Chris on on that first day of the week to give you the to give you what you need. Uh, we appreciate that. Uh, coming up tomorrow on the program, uh, we're not having Mike Shower on because he's going to be out. Um, um, he's going to be out uh, working on stuff. Um, but now, uh, we're going to be talking with, uh, tomorrow, uh, Antoine Williams, who is with the Trump team. We're going to have a talk with him about the upcoming, um, <clears throat> the upcoming, 
uh, rally, which is going to be going on at the Alaska Airlines Center this Saturday. And it's a rally for uh, Kelly Shabaka, Sarah Palin, and Mike Dunleavy, I believe, as well. Uh, so he's, uh, he's going to be... Uh, 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 Antoine is going to be with us tomorrow to talk about that. We'll get some details on it and and uh, get the get the full dope, as it were, uh, to talk with him about it. So that's uh, coming up here uh, on tomorrow's program. Also working on some other guests. Um, I'm we were just talking about some of the challengers uh, for some of the various races around the state. Uh, including uh, Elijah Verhagen, who's running against Click Bishop. And we've got a couple other contenders, one running against Gary Stevens, the other one running against Louise Stutz, both from Kodiak. And we'll see if we can get some more info on that and uh, potentially, uh, potentially have a uh, conversation with them about their races. And we'll see if we can feel out what's, you know, if there's a chance of those. Uh, of those uh, seat uh, swaps coming to fruition. Meanwhile, uh, I'm going to go ahead and open up the phone lines this morning uh, for anything that uh, happened over the weekend or things you guys want to chat about here. Before we get to Chris' story, we're going to be talking to him in about 10 minutes or so. We're going to take our break and come back. Um, <clears throat> but uh, we'll open up the phone lines here at 907-433-3150, powered by our friends at Satellite West. You can find out more about them at SatelliteWest.com. Uh, we appreciate them sponsoring the program. We're going to continue on and talk with them uh, as uh, a talk about them here uh, uh, as well. We'd love to hear what you guys have to say. I've got some other headlines, uh, including the fact, I don't know if you saw this, but did you see that Kelly Shibaka was all ready to do the 4th of July parade in downtown Anchorage? And at the last minute... They pulled the plug, uh, the, 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 the parade organizers. This is after she'd put in her application, paid her entry fee weeks prior and everything else, and they decided, nope, they're not going to do it. Now, the parade is not a city thing. It's a private uh, organization organizes it. So I guess they've got the, they've got the uh, purview to decide who comes and who goes and who does what. But apparently they didn't want any political campaigns in the parade this year. I, I, and I guess that, although I always remember political campaigns being part of it, uh, and I participated in several parades over the years for that kind of stuff. And, uh, it didn't, uh, I, I don't know, maybe they just are like, we're done with politics and we don't want any politicians. I don't know if it was just Kelly specifically or what, but again, it's, it's Anchorage. What do you, I guess, what do you expect at this point? Oh, man. All right. Well, let's go to the phones and see what you guys uh, want to talk about. We'll hit the uh, we'll hit the phone lines and see what's uh, up. Good morning. Who's this? Where are you calling from? Good morning, Michael. This is Carlene in Kodiak. Good morning, Carlene. Good morning. Um, about Brad Keithley's report, the second issue on the LNG project, about massive revenues for the state, the headline. Um, around the middle of June, there was big news that Japan is in recession. They're forcing businesses to buy bonds, and Japan is buying U.S. bonds. And then it seems like they're only having enough income from the bond business to pay for their military. So... Um, Perhaps 
the LNG would go through and make big money. Um, it's just I don't know how to use a computer to uh, look this up about Japan and where they're at. But it was big news around the middle of June. Yeah, no, I mean, the thing is, I think that, that it's a lot of pie in the sky to say that uh, the LNG is going to generate huge revenues because, I mean, this is a project we've been talking about for 60 years at this point, and it has to be economically feasible. Or as Brad said, it has to be something that is so, um, you know, <clears throat> strategic where somebody is trying to corner a, uh, you know, a stable reserve of gas that it has to be justifiable for them. I mean, at this point, the problem is, is that, uh, you know, it's just, it's not a feasible project, uh, you know, um, financially at this point. It doesn't make sense when you've got other sources of of uh, gas with fracking and everything else. So um, I think Brad's warning was just don't take that, that uh, headline at face value. Uh, because the, it it sounded more like in like he I think I'm summating what he said, but basically it sounded more like a campaign issue than anything else. And I don't know if that benefits Walker or Dunleavy uh, more because Walker is such a big LNG guy. Um, uh, but Dunleavy did go to Japan, so I, I don't know at this point. But again, I any kind of announcement that has to do with um, uh, you, you know, with natural gas and LNG being the savior of Alaska, I take all that with a grain of salt right now because we've seen where it's led us to the last, you know, after the last 60 years or so. Unstable was the word that kept coming to mind as Brad was, was speaking. Right, right, exactly. Um, Carlene, are you familiar with either of the candidates that are running up in Kodiak for Stevens or Stutes? Are you familiar with either one? No, um, I only buy the newspaper when I go out in the last month or so, so I've only been going out about once a week or once every week and a half, okay. so I don't know really what's going on over here. Okay. I'm sorry, Michael. No, no, that's fine. So Benjamin Vincent is running against uh, Louise Stutes and... Um, um, and uh, uh, Heath Smith is running against, um, uh, well, actually, Heath Smith and Walter Jones are both running against Gary Stevens. So we'll have to see, we'll have to see uh, what comes out of that. We're going to try and get them on the program to discuss it. But yeah, it should be, uh, it should be an interesting conversation for sure. Um, uh, you know, with both of those, uh, can both of the candidates, Stutes and Stevens, have been such long term. Uh, legislators, it'll be interesting to see what kind of fight there is. Are you hearing any buzz in Kodiak or talking to anybody that you know there? Um, no, I'm sorry. Okay, well, that's um, fine. Keith Smith from Homer, and uh, apparently Walter Jones is from Anchor Point. Yeah, that's correct. Yep. So we'll see. We'll what I'm, I'm sorry, go ahead. Leery of is that we'll get somebody like Gary. That's that's kind of what I'm I'm leery of. I'm yeah. Well, we'll uh, we'll have to see. Um, I uh, but you know it, it, I think it's time for a change, and we'll see what happens there. 
Um, Louise, thank yeah. you. Thank you for coming on board and sharing with us this morning. I appreciate you being part of the uh, show today uh, and joining us. 907-433-3150 is the Pivotel and Satellite West call-in line if you'd like to give us a call. we got time for maybe one more call before we go to break and have to dive into it with uh, with Chris' story. Yeah, so Ben Benjamin Vincent out of Kodiak is the uh, candidate running against Louise Stutes, and he's up and running and got a website and everything else. And then the uh, two candidates against uh, Stevens, uh, Heath Smith and uh, Walter Jones, and they both are up and ready and have uh, <clears throat> have websites ready to go. I'm uh, I'm excited. I'm excited to see where this might go. I'm I'm excited to see where this might go. So uh, we'll we'll see if we can reach out to them and uh, and uh, get a and, and get get some of them on the program to uh, to talk about this stuff. We would love to uh, we'd love to hear about it. So uh, anyway, uh, we're coming up on the break now. I guess we will uh, we'll take that break. Don't forget you can join us over on Facebook at facebook.com slash Michael Duke Show if you'd like to be part of the conversation this morning or on YouTube at youtube.com uh, slash Michael Duke Show. And uh, come on out and join us and uh, let's uh, let's continue this conversation, shall we? Let's uh, let's let's get it done. All right. Coming up on it. We'll be back with more Common Sense, Liberty-based, free-thinking radio, and Chris Story, the man from Homer. That's all directly ahead right here. Don't go anywhere. Broadcasting live through a series of tubes. Allowing all of these entities to provide streaming stuff going on on the the, the internet. Well, it's kind of hard to explain. Sorry. Streaming live every weekday morning on Facebook Live and MichaelDukesShow.com. Okay. All right. I got cables for days under the thing here. Um, all right, let's uh, let's get uh, let's get crazy here. Um, uh, okay, I'm closing all that out. Million different things going on here this morning. All right, are you guys all ready to uh, uh, to deal with Chris this morning? I I am. I I am ready to deal with Chris this morning. Um, sorry, I'm doing three things. <laughs> okay, there we go. Um, and I think that's good. Okay. Uh, okay. All right. Sent that text message. All ready to go. Man, what a beautiful day. And you can see it outside. We could really use some rain. I don't know. I don't know out there who who needs to do the rain dance or go wash your car or do whatever it is, whatever ritual we need to do to get a little rain around here. But it's crazy. I saw that Sandy said earlier that there was a big lightning and a thunderstorm in Fairbanks 
no rain, just lots of wind and thunder and lightning, and the power went out and everything else. Um, but, uh, yeah, big storm last night at Fairbanks. No rain, just thunder and wind, which means if there was thunder, there was lightning. So hopefully we didn't start any new fires out there. We really, really need a uh, good. Hmm. Michael Dukes. Um, I read the, Donna says she read The Backyard Millionaire. Oh, I read it to her. Oh, she got the Audible book. So I read The Backyard Millionaire to her on Saturday on her hike. Very good. I'm hoping for book two, says Donna. Well, you have to talk to Chris about that. Um, he's, uh, I know he's working on uh, his second man book, Jacob Mann. And I'm uh, on the hook to, uh, to take care of that uh, as well. Uh, but yeah, <clears throat> if you haven't read or listened to The Backyard Millionaire, um, it's a great book. It really, it really, really is a great book. Uh, and I enjoyed, I really enjoyed uh, performing it and reading it. And uh, it's available on Amazon if you want to go out or Audible. If you want to go out and take a look at Audible uh, and just look for Chris Story in The Backyard Millionaire, you'll find, uh, uh, you'll find some of the, some of the books. Um, He's got uh, that one and the uh, and uh, man, the making of man, and uh, a couple other ones. Anyway, he's got some good stuff out there. But I'm glad you enjoyed it, Donna. I'm glad you enjoyed it. Uh, enjoyed it, and uh, and hopefully more people out there enjoy it too. The Backyard Millionaire, available on Amazon and on Audible. Chris will be. Chris will be pleased that <clears throat> you know. So make, oh, by the way, make sure you leave a review. If you read it or listened to it on, especially on Audible, make sure you leave it a review for the author and the story and the performance and everything else. So that would be, that would be fantastic if you could do that. Okay. What else we got here? I've got to pull that down. All right. There we go. Uh, let me go back up in the chat room to see what you guys have been talking about here. Shame on Anchorage, says Jen. I'm glad that she, Chewbacca, came to Wasilla Parade. She goes, I'm impressed with how Wasilla turned up. It was packed and patriotic. The Wasilla Parade and the Palmer Parade are always great 4th of July parades. We've been to both of them. They're, they're both really good, really good, uh, fun parades. Vonnie says that Mike Dunleavy is not on the invitation for the, uh, for the uh, big rally on Saturday. Which is interesting because I know that initially Trump had said that he would endorse um, that he would endorse uh, Dunleavy if he did not if Dunleavy did not endorse Murkowski, um, and I don't think he did, but I don't think he really. Anyway, like I said, I'm not sure that that endorsement is necessarily a help or a hindrance for any candidate out there. All right, let's uh, let's get things going on here. Chris Story is going to call us here in a hot second. And whoop, hey, it's right there. Oh man, I missed his call. Apparently it was on silent. Let's get going on. Here we go. The Michael Duke Show, Common Sense Radio. Welcome back to the program. We're ready to continue now for our weekly life coaching lesson. 
And uh, doing that for our weekly life coaching is Chris Story, the man from Homer. Jimmy in the chat room just said, hey, wait, let me get my vision board out before Chris gets started. And then he said, wait, he said, wait, I just took inventory of my vision board and realized that it's all worker related. I've got to adjust that. And you're, you're right. I think, you know, it's good to have a little work related stuff on your vision board, but uh, it's got to be more than that. Good morning, my friend. How are you doing? Uh, me thinks Jimmy's making fun of us, Michael, or oh, you specifically. Uh, you, I think. I'm no. not. Uh, I'm not going to take it that way. I think Jimmy is. I think Jimmy's <laughs> just having some fun. Although I will report that Donna Ardwin was in the chat room and said she got a chance to listen to the Backyard Millionaire this weekend on a hike, and she said it was amazing. Your book was amazing. So, congratulations! You've got some rarefied air going on there. Well, thank you. That's wonderful to hear. And of course, when you listen to the audible version of it, it's even more impactful. I, I tell people this sometimes, like, I've listened to it probably, Michael, your version of my book. I probably listened to it four times through since you did it just about a year ago or so, because you're such a compelling voice to listen to. And also the making a man. So by the way, Michael, I do have to tell you, I've got a sequel coming out for each of those yet this year. So my, my goal, my vision, my vision board and the crystals tell me that by the end of by the, my, by November, which is what I usually like to get these books out is in November. I'll have two for you to read the schoolyard millionaire, which is the sequel to the backyard millionaire. And then of course, the Watchmen, which is the sequel to The Making of Man. So I'm excited about both those things. Oh man, that'll be fun stuff. I'm I'm looking forward to it, and I know Glenn, uh, I know Donna is going to be happy because she was asking about book two of The Backyard Millionaire. So The Schoolyard Millionaire. All right, well we're looking <laughs> forward to it. Of course, you can find all these books on Amazon or on Audible if you want to go take a look at them. Chris, what are we going to talk about today, my friend? I mean, it feels like you said earlier in your text message, like it feels like Monday, and I'm like, you know what? It does feel a little, but that's good because I get to start off with Chris on a Monday now. I got the whole week ahead of me after you giving me a little life coaching. What is on the agenda for today? I, I'm rereading a book that I read about 20 years ago, and it's by Robert G. Allen and Mark Victor Hansen. And in it, they have what they call the four steps to wealth. And they seem kind of simple, oversimplified or whatever. But I thought, you know, it's interesting because you can apply these things. And I think the truth usually and principles usually are incredibly simple. And as many people have said, oh, there's nothing new under the sun. And the, the reality is that's so true. We can go back 6,000 years um, of you know, recorded history and there's nothing new, but maybe it's interpretation or just a new rapper, if you will. And so what I loved about these things is it really impacted me. Uh, 20 years ago, when I read this this book and this work by these two gentlemen, this really impacted me, and I forgot until I just reread it. And so these four steps are super simple, and it starts with just deciding it's okay to become wealthy. And I thought, at first, that struck me as just weird. What do you mean deciding it's okay? Of course it's okay. It's right. It's what we're all aiming for, right? This is what we go to work for. This is why we start careers and why we, we launch products and businesses and so forth. But are, there are certain aspects of wealth and i'm using air quotes that stop people cold like oh the the misnomers about wealthy people are greedy and the right, media helps right. portray that so well so just deciding that it's okay for you to become wealthy you can become a millionaire you can become whatever definition of wealth suits you it's okay 
Just well, decide that that's okay for you to do. It's interesting that there's a bit of a st- you know in this society where we're glamorizing you know Instagram people and social media and the lifestyles and all this kind of stuff and people are fascinated by it. But at the same time, you're right. There's this stigma about oh you wouldn't want to be wealthy, would you? Well, I don't know. I mean, you know, um, so somebody said you know um, you know if you you, you going to be rich, you're going to be poor. I've tried it both ways. I prefer rich or the you know money can't buy happiness, but if you got enough money, you can make a key or something like that. I mean, you know, there's all kinds of little little quirky things. But you're right; there seems to be a bit of a stigma of, oh, you're just in it for the money. Well, wait a minute, you go to your job forty hours a week just for the money, right? I mean, or is it that you're totally enamored with selling people widgets over the counter? I mean, what's the you know? You're right; it's got to be. It's okay uh, to be wealthy if you want to be. It all depends on what you do with your money. And you can help a lot more people. If you have noble, altruistic uh, ambitions in mind, you can help far more people with money than without. And just saying it's okay to yourself to overcome some of the maybe beliefs or values that might have been instilled with best of intentions instilled in you, maybe they're not serving you. And I think this can be applied to anything becoming healthier. You have to make some decisions that are maybe counterintuitive. I'll never forget when I decided to try veganism. It's been about 11 years ago uh, (laughs) because I was sort of desperate for some change in my life physically. And so I tried this and I remember, I'll never forget the number of people said, oh, I could never do that. And I thought, well, that's an interesting statement. I don't know why we'd say that. And secondly, there was a lot of worries about my health and things. And I just decided it's okay for me to be healthy. It's okay for me to do this. I had to really convince myself for a bit. And I did that uh, seriously for three years and it served its purpose. And then I moved on from it. I remember one friend said, I guess, Chris, you just need to decide how special do you want to be? Because, <laughs> you know, I can't eat this. I can't eat that. What's in that? And it became a little bit, um, it served its purpose for me and, and it set me on a, a different healthy track. But the idea was I did come to the conclusion it's okay for me to do this even though it might be counter to what i've always done and i think that's the same with wealth accumulation or starting on a new adventure mid-life maybe you're starting over right and you have to decide it's okay to let go of who i used to be to become someone new and in fact that's the only way to become somebody new is to let go of the past and to be able to move forward and then the second step of creating wealth or accumulating wealth is to practice imaging yourself as an abundant person living an abundant lifestyle. And that comes back to what you and I and Jimmy talked about all the time is visualization. You have to be able to visualize yourself. And that's where vision boards do help some people. Not everybody's got the same uh, creative imagination. I think it can be exercised and, and improved upon, but using visualization, if you need some something to stimulate that with a vision board or picture, something that's fine. Uh, Zig Ziglar used to say that he would take the jockey shorts ads out of magazines and put them up because he said they don't put no fat boys in jockey shorts ads. And it was always a sort of a visualization <laughs> for him to continue his running practice. But just being able to visualize yourself as an abundant person. Right. Think about that. Abundance and just envisioning abundance in your life of whatever it is from health to wealth, happiness, relationships, all of it, just visualize that abundance. And again, going back 20 years ago, when I first read this book, that that really impacted me and uh, set me on a course of visualizing. Nice, nice. All right, so that's number two. What's number three? The third step towards accumulating wealth is this, this is, Michael, you're going to want to write this down. This is really, okay. really, this is huge. 
spend less than you earn. And, and you may want to send that to some of your governmental guests that you have on, some of your elected <laughs> guests that you have on. Spend less than you earn is step three towards a wealthier life. And um, you and I have talked about, I think, The Richest Man in Babylon before, and that's a great principle out of that book, or pay yourself first. It's this idea, Jim Rowan proffered in the 80s, how do you go broke making $10,000 a month? Spend 11. So it's such right. a simple, stupid step, and yet at the same time, Again, coming back to these truths and principles are always simple. Well, right. We, we make things more complicated than they need to be. Well, I remember back in the day, I mean, this is probably 30 years ago, I saw a statistic and it just kind of blew my mind. And it said something like the average American, uh, which means over 50% of Americans, were spending 107% of their income annually. And I'm like, the math doesn't work out on that. You know, pretty soon in 10 years, you've got 70% of your annual income in debt. I mean, that's, you're never going to get, I mean, it just, it blew my mind. This idea, even when I didn't have a lot of money and I was spending almost everything that I made, it was not because I wanted to, but I couldn't figure out how people who were making big money could still be going broke. And you're right. It's exactly it. They were spending 107% of their income and whether that's keeping up with the Joneses or just having a nice lifestyle or, or, you you know, financing and unrevolving credit or whatever, it's a problem. And you wouldn't think that it would be because, again, it's simple arithmetic, but it is a problem. And I love the idea. My, my dad always taught my brother and I to spend, um, it's just pay yourself first. And I, I have to admit, as a kid, I didn't understand it. It's like, I don't know what, uh, dad, I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> it doesn't make any sense to me. It, it made sense later on in life, of course, to, to put aside just the savings of 10% right off the top. If you just take literally 10% of your gross and you pay yourself first by putting it into a separate account. Tiffany um, is a master of, of money and investing and organization. And she has what she calls an investment account, which is separate from a savings account, which is separate from the tax account. So if you're self-employed, you know Uncle Sam gets his taste before anybody else. But that's not true in our case. She's put us ahead of Uncle Sam and in fact puts a percentage of the gross aside just for us to invest and then there's a percentage you get set aside for uncle sam and he gets paid quarterly um but the idea that you would pay yourself first very consciously and putting it into an active account not just under the mattress literally in an account where you can watch it grow and then put it to work in an investment of your choice that's all part of spending less than you earn and it gets to be very exciting as you watch things grow and you make that investment and you then you watch it grow and in the richest man in babylon they talk about your children's your your gold having children and their children having children and so on uh it, it's exciting to watch but you first have to spend less than you earn yeah i mean and being able to make that money work for you i think it was uh, i think one of the best quotes i ever heard was something like from albert einstein the most powerful force in the universe you'd think it would be you know nuclear physics something and he goes no it's compound interest this is the most powerful force in the universe and he's not wrong i mean even if you just got a five or six percent rate of return uh you know it doesn't take but you know seven years and you're doubling your money and doubling your money and you start putting that money away and pretty soon that money attracts more that's what i found in my life is when i saved money that money attracted more money and i was less I was I was less uh, uh, ready to let go of it once I had it uh, because I knew that comfort that was there, knowing that there was money there in case something happened. It's uh, it really gives you some security and it gives you some peace of mind. I think he called it referred to the, the eighth wonder of the world, truly, and that's that's actually the fourth step in this stupid, simple, super simple 
uh, four steps to wealth is to invest the difference. So you spend less you earn and then invest the difference. So that 10% that you've taken off the top, obviously you want to have a rainy day account. So it's a little bit like filling one cup of water and then you start filling the next. Don't, don't start filling two cups at once. Fill your savings, your rainy day account first. Get it set there because peace of mind actually helps you to focus more and become more. So when you have that peace of mind with that savings rainy day account, then you can begin filling the investment cup and it can reach a certain level where you can actually wield it in the marketplace and put it to work. In my brand new podcast, Michael, called <laughs> The Backyard Millionaire, available on Amazon, iTunes, everywhere. Um, we talk about that idea of of watching it grow and, and being able to direct the money. Once you've made a decision to become an investor, in your own future wealth, it becomes easier and easier to, to direct those monies once you've begun to set aside for it. And it becomes fun and it can just be a game. But again, I would like to say these four steps, which include deciding it's okay for you to become wealthy, practicing visualization, spending less than you earn, and then investing the difference. Just those four items could be a Michael, I'm holding up three fingers because I just said that. <laughs> <laughs> I talk with my hands, but apparently... Uh, not literally. Uh, that's funny. Uh, just it just shows you that like it just shows you that anybody can do it, even a guy who can't count. I mean, you know, can't there's four good. out there. That's, but you're right. I mean, those. It's a simple thing. Here's the thing. You and I talk a lot of times about concepts that are pretty simple in design and in you know intellectually they're pretty simple, but they're they're not always as easy in practice because they are so simple. People are like, oh, that that couldn't possibly work. No. Right. Yeah. It, it yeah. works. I mean, I've seen it work in my life. I know it works. And, uh, but, you know, don't just don't let the simplicity of it fool you. It's uh, it's 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 simple. It's just not easy a lot of the time. Right. There's a difference between simple and easy. Yeah, exactly. That's a great point. And, and some of the people that I admire, you, you'll meet somebody who's very successful in something and you expect them to have some gravitas, something sped that extra, whatever it is. And then you realize, oh my God, they're not, they're not even that smart or they're not smarter than me. I, they've not read as much as me, did not studied as much. What? Here's what it is. Sometimes they just don't know no better. They don't know no better. Meaning, I don't know. Let's do this and see if, it, oh my God, it works. And then they take that success and ratchet it up to the next and the next and the next. They don't know no better. Right. So it doesn't get any simpler than that, right? Or grammatically incorrect. They right. don't know no better. That's not supposed to work. You're not supposed to be able to start this business, which then leads to that and then to this. I remember going um, one day, there was a guy that's got a really successful um, real estate business and a, just a wonderful entrepreneur. And I remember watching, I was in my office one day, and I see this giant, large boat going by on this trailer. I mean, it's massive. It's taking up the whole field of vision off my windows of my office. I'm like, what is that? And I realized it was a friend of mine who was moving it up to a location on the bluff overlooking the beautiful Catchback Bay, and he was turning it into a vacation rental. And Brian just didn't know no better. You shouldn't be able to, yo, you can't do that. And yes, he did. And it's uh, an incredibly successful adventure. So I'm just saying, you know, these four steps, as you just said, are, are simple and sometimes seem almost too obvious. But that's what's the that's the magic baked into the cake is that it's simple, it's obvious. And in America, it's available to everybody. Yep, absolutely. Uh, you should check it out. Chris has got, again, a couple of books talking about a lot of these things. He's taken all of his years of PMA reading and distilled it down into his own telling of it with The Backyard Millionaire, also Born to Live. 
and he's working on some others as well, and his works of fiction as well. They're all they're all great. I love it. I love it. Uh, Chris, uh, anything else you want to add before we let you go? Just a, just a reminder, as we just passed Fourth of July, that I, for people like yourself, Michael. Uh, and me, I mean, every day is the Fourth of July. You're constantly celebrating the uh, Second Amendment and all the uh, First Amendment, exercising it daily. But I just hope that when none of us take it for granted, again, coming back to the simplest things are the most basic and fundamental. Nothing is more simple and basic than the Declaration of Independence and our Bill of Rights and our Constitution. And I hope that we take a little time. Let's read it. Let's study it during July. Let's really focus on it and just never forget that what comes too easy can be easily lost if you don't take uh, some time to appreciate it and understand that this is something we should have gratitude for every single day in America and celebrate it and export it around the world as we have always done. Chris Story, I love Homer Alaska.com is his website. You could find all the links to stuff there, including his brand new podcast, The Backyard Millionaire. Uh, Chris, uh, thank you for uh, coming on board this morning and being part of it. We appreciate it. My pleasure. Have a great week. Hey, don't go anywhere. Hold on a second for Chris there. I got to talk to you real quick. All right, folks, we're back uh, with more after this. The phone lines are open 907 433 3150. The Michael Duke Show, Common Sense, Liberty Based, Free Thinking Radio. If you missed the show, you can listen to it on your time with Dukes On Demand. Oh, and it's free. Like America used to be. Streaming live every weekday morning on Facebook Live and MichaelDukesShow.com. Okay, we're in the break with Chris Story real quick. I wanted to keep Chris on for just a second because Edie Grunwald says in the chat room, Chris, maybe you could be a guest speaker at the Alaska Military Youth Academy on this subject. So maybe you should get a hold of Edie Grunwald on Facebook, Chris, and uh, talk, to, uh, talk to her about that being a speaker there because I think this is something that the youth definitely need to hear. Uh, secondly, uh, 12th Man on uh, YouTube said, he ain't right because he's speaking from someone that already has money to invest. That's not speaking for people starting at the bottom of the barrel. So were you a rich kid, Chris? Is that how you got started? You had the already had the seed money and investment money, or did you start from nothing and get to where you are today because of that? Well, that start with nothing is, would be uh, disingenuous to say that. Starting without any money would be more accurate. Starting out as a teen parent would be a more accurate statement. And so <laughs> you, you almost can't start. I can't think of a way to start further behind the eight ball than that. However, having said that, the advantage or privilege, I guess, if I'm going to use air quotes, would be having a, an incredible foundation from my parents as far as witnessing what it takes to start businesses and to run businesses. Going back to my grandparents' arrival in Alaska in 1947, they started businesses and started investing in real estate, none of which flowed down through to me. However, the knowledge did, and I think the knowledge is far more valuable than is any sort of a handout or any sort of uh, money. or something. Yeah. Exactly. You know, shirt sleeves to shirt sleeves in three generations. And so what was inherited, though, and what I was given was my grandfather's library, books out of it, including How to Make Money, uh, number one, How to Make Money, a simple little stupid book written in 1950, and the whole essence of it could be in six words. 
find a need and fill it. And so that's what we did. My wife and I started a business when we were 19 and we've never stopped. And so we started with zero, in fact, and we borrowed all the money to buy that the first business. We borrowed 100% of it, which in part was due to relationships. So I'll admit that for sure. That was definitely a leg up being able to borrow uh, that $22,000 to start a business. That made a big difference in our lives, but it was the use of our um, understanding of business and then willingness to learn what we don't know. We took a job and for seven years lived in an apartment building, managing it for zero salary, but we got rent in exchange. So we took that $625 a month that we would have otherwise been paying rent and put it into an account and started investing it. But we traded, trust me, we traded seven years of our lives to understand contracts, understand people negotiating, cleaning right. up after people, uh, not getting a penny for our cleaning. We were working uh, probably an extra 30, 40 hours a week. And then it dawned on us after seven years, you know, we're only getting $625 a month and they get us seven days a week. But I'll tell you, it was a college education. It was worth a master's degree in property management and investing. And we worked for a multi, multi-millionaire in so doing. And we learned a lot from him. And he became sort of one of the people that, that I've enveloped into the book, The Backyard Millionaire and the Concept. So right. I would say starting with nothing, that's great. Uh, no problem at all you just start saving 10% of what you have today and then going for it. it might be two years, might be five years. I would suggest anybody's listening to Hey, I don't have any real estate yet. I don't have any money. Okay. Go get pre-qualified with a lender. You'll find out exactly the rules of the game and the rules of the road and what you need to do and what you need to say between now and investment number one, which might be in seven years on my podcast. I just, I just told this whole story about how it took seven years from the original backyard millionaire handing me the book, the buy and hold real estate strategy it took me seven years not to acquire four homes, but one. And so it's, yeah, it takes time. And I never want to pretend that it's easy or overnight, but it's easy if you begin and you just get started. That's the easy part. It's actually the most difficult part. But once you get started, I, I'll bet 12th man or anybody else, you can't stop yourself. You'll go from there. Right. He says, buy my book and you'll get rich. Right, right, right. Well, that's. I don't think you're selling your book to get rich. That's not – that book is just to spread – is just to spread information, not necessarily to get rich. I don't think Chris is making, uh, uh, you know, uh, retirement money on selling his book. So uh, I'm with you on that. Uh, all right. Well, thank you, uh, thank you, Chris. And the coming. movie rights are still available. Too, yeah, the movie anyone. rights. Yeah. yeah, let's talk. Exactly. Exactly. All right, Chris. Well, hey, thanks for sticking around for us. I appreciate you coming oh, my on board. All right. We'll okay. talk to you later. An honor. Uh, Chris Story, uh, the man from Homer. Okay. Um, Oh, uh, I'm just looking through here. Anything else? Uh, Einstein said there are two ways you can live. You can live as if nothing is a miracle or you can live as if everything is a miracle. I love that. I, I love that a lot. That is two. Uh, I, I'm a two. Robbie said she had crab cakes in Homer and they were delicious. Where'd you get the crab cakes, Robbie? Inquiring minds want to know, if there's a good crab cake, I want to hear about where it came from. You ate it while you were in Homer. Where did you go to eat? I mean, let's talk about food. Seriously. Let's talk about food. That's uh, that's the good stuff. Um, all right. Uh, your best challenger is yourself. Get up, make the bed, and do something productive. I hear you. Doing something productive is good. All right. That's our reminder that it's time to jump back into it. Here we go. The Michael Duke Show. Common sense. 
liberty-based, free-thinking radio. Like and share the show. Like and follow the show page. Subscribe and ring the bell on YouTube. Let's do it. All right, one final segment of the show this morning. Why not? It's Tuesday. Let's throw the phone lines open again. If you guys want to sound off on the Satellite West call-in line at 907-433-3150, feel free to do so. Um, I'm going to, meanwhile, before we wait for a phone call of some kind, I'm going to reminisce. Well, not reminisce. I'm going to pontificate. Is that the word I'm looking for? Pontificate. Um, you know, this, this weekend, I I'm reminded coming back onto the show this morning, uh, about something I made a decision about, uh, I guess 15 years ago, 15 years ago, I made the decision to, to that my weekends were going to be my own. And what I mean by that is, um, you know, I this is what my week used to look like. I mean, all day, every day, I was working a full-time job and still doing the show. The show was more a labor of love than anything else. Um, but I was still doing a lot of research during the day. I was, in, you know, I was looking at the news, the national stuff. I was, you know, I was deep into it. I was reading about it. And, and you know, I mean, I was just, I was living it. And then on the weekends, you know, I'd get home and, even if we were doing something around the house, I'd turn on, you know, Fox News or CNN or something. And I was just, I was immersed in it. And I was reading all weekend. And, you know, and it just, it was not, <clears throat> it was not healthy. It was not, it was not a healthy situation. I find my, I found myself to be a, you know, 35 year old man who was uh, very, very unhappy at the time I was very, I was angry. Uh, I was not, you know, I mean, my life was good. My children, my, you know, everything was, that was all great, but I was, I was angry about a lot of stuff. Uh, mostly because of things that were happening that, you know, later on, I realized that I had really no control over. And I was reminded this weekend coming back into it and coming back this morning and doing a, you know, doing the reading and prep for the show, uh, you know, I'm a little behind the scenes stuff here on Mondays. I don't do, I mean, if I have a guest or something, that's one thing I, I will have prepped for the week before for the guest. But if we're just doing kind of open line or whatever, I'm, I don't do any major, I do about an hour of prep in the morning. I get up early and I, I do some reading and figure out what happened over the weekend and everything else. And that's enough because I, you know, if something is going to happen over the weekend, I'm sure I'm going to hear about it from somebody. Somebody's going to tell me if something disastrous happened or it'll come across in some way. Uh, I mean, my wife is still, uh, she still, you know, reads the social medias or whatever over the weekend. So I will hear about something. But, you know, I am just, I just, I got up this morning and I started reading and I was just like, I'm so grateful that I wasn't looking into and reading and thinking about all this stuff all weekend. Um, I was thinking about spending time with the kids. I was thinking about projects. I was thinking about water in my basement. I was thinking about all these other things. And um, it was just, uh, it, 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 you know, it reminded me of priorities. 
And I guess so what I really was pontificating about, I guess that's the right word, is that, you know, if you find yourself in the former situation where you're glued to your social media feed or you're glued to the news or you're glued to all these things, maybe take a step back and just maybe just set don't set about the whole weekend. Maybe just set one day where you just don't jump onto any of that. Maybe you just don't do any of that. You just hang out and put that stuff away and realize that it'll be there on Monday. It'll be there on Monday for you when you start fresh again. There's nothing going to, and even if you just do it one day on the weekend, I think you'll notice a huge difference. I mean, I went cold turkey. I basically said after Friday at noon, I was done with any of that stuff. And I wouldn't even look at the news until Monday morning. And it changed my life. It changed, it made me a much happier much happier person. Let me just put it that way. Much happier person uh, than than delving into the news or staying on. I mean, at the time, there was not even social media, right? It was just the news. But it, it'll be good for you. It'll be good for you. Um, all right. Let's go over to the um, uh, let's go over to the phones and see what you guys have to say this morning. Uh, 907-433-3150, the Satellite West call in line. Good morning. Who's this? Where are you calling from? Good morning, Michael. Dude's trying to help promote the YouTube over there so you can start getting the super super chat. So oh, well, I appreciate everybody that. Don't, everybody don't forget to go over there and like and subscribe and hit the bell so we can monetize Michael Dukes on YouTube. I appreciate and, that. Uh, but, yeah, Michael, I just... Uh, you know, a lot of people, they don't even realize the sacrifices that are men and women made. You know, I've been doing a lot of research on uh, women of the uh, original 1776 revolution and watching some documentaries on that. And then, uh, you know, like, uh, you know, Commander Norm Olson, like the militia commander out there in Nikiski, uh he says, uh, don't stress over things that you have no control over. Right, right. Well, that's, the, I mean, that's a, all, that's a great piece of advice. That's exactly what I'm talking about. Yeah, and uh, sometimes you just have to tune it out, but. After the long fourth weekend, I was sure happy to hear your voice this morning, Michael Dukes. And uh, we appreciate you on the Kenai, and I look forward to my copy and shirt and mug <laughs> you when bet. you come down in August. You bet. We'll uh, we'll have it all again. I ordered all the swag this last week, <laughs> and uh, it's all on the way right now, so for sure. Yeah, and... Uh, uh, it'll be good to meet you face to face too, because like I don't drive because I'm epileptic. I'm not allowed by state law to drive. Mm -hmm. So uh, it's always nice when someone comes by their property to see me and my dog Fisher. Okay, well, good. Well, we'll yeah, get a, we'll good. get we'll get a chance to see everybody and say hi. And I'm going to. Yeah, do... I just live a couple streets from the post office, so it's not even out of your way that much. You, you Maybe bet. Four blocks. 
You bet. All right. Well, we'll uh, we'll see you when we get everything down there. I'm planning on coming down to the peninsula probably late this month, and uh, so we'll uh, once everything comes in, we'll get a chance to uh, drop it off to you. So thanks a lot, Jeremy. I appreciate and you calling. What, in. what a better birthday present, even though I have to pay for it, is <laughs> to be able to wear a Michael Duke show shirt around town. You bet. You bet. Show show off that pride. Thank you, Jeremy. I appreciate you calling right. in. Thanks for Take being care, brother. Thanks brother. for being part of it. I appreciate that. Yeah, for those of you that did order the swag on the website, for those of you who missed it, I'm sorry you missed it. We, uh, I did order a few extra things. So if you're looking for a shirt or a cup, uh, coffee mug, uh, we may have a few of those extra available. I'll let you know on that. But uh, we did put in a big order for that uh, last week, and uh, we're expecting it all to be here in the next ten days or so. So we're going to be distributing some of that stuff out and uh, letting folks uh, uh, letting folks rep the show. It's going to be uh, it's going to be good stuff. So I appreciate uh, appreciate Jeremy and all the other ones who ordered the show swag. Uh, it is a uh, it was fun. It was fun to do that designing some new shirts and uh, getting the coffee mugs. I actually even got a coffee mug because somebody requested it that instead of having the radio stations on the back because they said, I don't listen to you on the radio, I watch you on YouTube. And so I was able to put the YouTube logo on the back of the coffee mug because that's what they asked for. So we we did it. We, we got it all squared away. Uh, all right. Well, folks, that's uh, that's it for today. We're out of time. Tomorrow, uh, we're going to be talking to Antoine Williams about the Trump rally. And uh, hopefully, we'll get some other guests in here for gubernatorial candidates and for the legislative candidates as well. It's, uh, it's going to be good. We're out of time for today. Thank you, my friends. We will see you tomorrow. The Michael Duke Show. Common sense, liberty-based, free-thinking radio. Have a great weekend, my friends. We'll see you then. Our great week tomorrow. Bye. All right. I said weekend. I'm already on the weekend. It's amazing. It's only Tuesday. All right, folks. Well, I appreciate you coming on board, and we will see you tomorrow. Don't forget to check out our YouTube page as well. Like and subscribe over there if you could. Do all the youtube things. We will see you then. Have a great day.
we've shed our terrestrial radio skin, and now we are slimy lizard internet people. It's the Michael Duke Show.